Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you become a better conversationalist. I have a very, very special guest for this week, and when I tell you this was one of my favorite conversations I've had for the show so far, I am being 100% serious. My guest this week is Sophie Barron, who is the founder of the company The Conversationalist, which is an online community for Gen Z with the goal of unifying our generation to have better conversations with one another. And that's enough of an intro from me right now. So let's get started with this episode featuring Sophie Barron. Lily, thank you so much for having me. My name is Sophie Barron. I am at my core, a unifier. I feel like I was put on this earth to bring people together, to have conversations that matter. And I've been on this journey for the past six years now, which is wild to think about, but it all started back in Wichita, Kansas, where I'm from. Um, I grew up feeling like I was always the odd one out. I was the Jewish kid in my community, but I was the only Jewish kid. And so from an early age, I just felt different from a lot of my peers and I wanted to make a difference in the world, but I, I didn't know how and I felt like I didn't have a voice. So long story short, followed the Yellow Brick Road to the University of Pennsylvania, um, started to break open that Midwestern echo chamber that I was brought up in and started to realize that there were so many people on campus from all walks of life, but we only stayed in groups of people of who were like-minded. Um, everyone really stayed inside their identity groups. So I wanted to do something to change that. So I started an organization at Penn called Table Talk. The whole purpose was to bring people together outside of the classroom, become friends, and then started evolving Table Talk into a larger organization, spread it to over 80 college and high school campuses, and then realized that there was something larger here beyond the campus model. And thus the Conversationalist was born in 2019, really to create a space for young people everywhere to come together and have conversations that matter. So that's a little bit about me and I'm so excited to be here. That was perfect, Sophie. And I am so excited to have you on the show because I think the purpose of The Conversationalist and all of the work that you're doing really lines up with my mission for the podcast. So I think you're the perfect guest. Um, I'd love to start off by talking more about the origin story of The Conversationalist. Um, did you have any doubts when you first started the organization? Can you tell me some about what that process looked like to develop The Conversationalist? Thanks. And yeah, of course, I can't even tell you the amount of self-doubt that I've had <laughs> over the past two years. We just celebrated our second birthday, which is super exciting and was doing a lot of reflecting this week about where we started. Um, and the conversationalist was really born out of the 2016 election. So at Penn during this time, um, our campus got very heated politically. Um, there was a lot of dialogue happening, but I realized quickly that the dialogue that was happening was really only reflective of one side of politics. And so, you know, I came to Penn, realized that there was this echo chamber that just existed because we hung out with people who were like us. But I think once I got older and the election happened, I realized that this echo chamber was so prevalent 
in our ideologies and how we weren't even able to have conversations with one another who have different views about anything, whether it be politics, mental health, current events, so on and so forth. And so after the election, there was just this really pivotal moment, I can picture it to this day, where people just could not wrap their heads around the fact that Donald Trump was elected president. You know, people were shooting out fiery Facebook statuses, everyone was huddled in small groups on campus. It really felt like someone had passed away. Like the, the air was very dark and gloomy. And I think I just had this moment where I realized that this shell shock that so many of my classmates were feeling was because we're so stuck in an echo chamber. I think there was something so powerful in realizing that the reason our campus was so divided was because this echo chamber existed and I wanted to do something about it. So finally, for the first time, I took pen to paper and I started typing out my thoughts around how important it is to break open your echo chamber and how we need to follow people on social media who have different views than us and surround ourselves with people who even come from different backgrounds than us. And I turned that into an article, which then got published in the Huffington Post, which was wild. And that was really like the first time that I felt like I took a stand on an issue that mattered to me. And I think that moment helped me realize that I want to be spending every day of my life helping other young people do the same and speak up about the topics that matter to them and have conversations from multiple points of view. So that was how the conversationalist got started. Um, but you know, since the founding and now, it's been a tumultuous ride. You know, we've iterated and pivoted who we are and what we do so many different times. Um, I can't even tell you the amount of times I've like refreshed the Instagram page to like really hope that we would grow and get to 10K. And finally we hit 10K and it was wild, but I just felt like every day I was I, I was competing against myself and that wasn't so productive. And so I, I feel like I'm in a much better place now, but self-doubt is so real. Um, and I think just always having your eye on that North Star and what you're really trying to do and create will help you stay grounded throughout the process. Yeah, definitely. And I would love to know, and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I would love to know how you feel like Gen Z conversations are different. You talked some about echo chambers, but I would love for you to explain what really makes Gen Z different from maybe the generations before us, the ones that will come after, what makes us different? Yeah, that is a great question. I am the Gen Z super fan. I think what is so special about our generation is that we are the most diverse generation to date. And I think just by being a diverse generation, we not only hope for diversity and inclusion, we expect diversity, equity, and inclusion in all of our interactions, and that includes conversations. So I think simply by Gen Z being surrounded by people who have different experiences and you know, being such a well-rounded generation has allowed for us to be able to have these conversations in a way that I think is different than past generations. And of course, being digital natives, I think conversations are so much more readily accessible at our fingertips. And now that social media has really democratized voice and given everyone a platform, I think everyone is starting to open up their eyes to want to care about what's going on in the world around us, which I think is super, super special about Gen Z. And I think that just shows in our conversations. I think there's a statistic that, um, 
66% of Gen Zers want to have conversations with someone who thinks differently than they do under a shared social cause. And I think that statistic alone just shows how powerful conversation is and how Gen Z is the right generation to have them. And I think we've grown up in a time with so much going on, whether it's a financial crisis, a pandemic, racial unrest over the past year, and so on and so forth. I think our generation really, really wants to emphasize solutions and create a future one day that maybe our children and grandchildren will never have to face the same things we do. And I think because we're so ready to own those challenges and try to see a way through them, there's no other way through than to talk about them. So I think that's what's super special and unique about Gen Z. I love that perspective and I love how optimistic and hopeful you are about Gen Z because I think we hear so much about the negatives of being digital natives and, you know, things of that nature. And I love that you're putting a positive spin on it. So I also wanted to talk about what you posted on Instagram the other day. And it was a video about how to have a really productive conversation. And there was one person who was pro-life and the other was pro-choice and they were texting back and forth. And I thought it was a really cool idea to give people advice about having better conversations. So I would love if you could share some tips or tricks that you try to keep in mind when you're having a productive and respectful conversation, especially maybe when it's about controversial topics like abortion. Do you have any advice that comes to mind? Yes, and thank you so much for watching that video. That was so fun to make. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge that so many people are starting at different levels than others when it comes to hard conversations. So before you even decide to have the conversation, I always encourage people to have that conversation with yourself. You know, really, really understand what you believe in and what you think at your core, because the purpose of conversation isn't really to change someone else's mind or to change yours. So the more confident you can be going into the conversation is such a great place to start, whether it's doing research on Google, whether it's following people on social media who think differently than you do about this issue you care about, start with you. So that's always tip number one. And then tip number two is if you're ready to have a hard conversation with another person, try not to just spring it on that person in the moment without any warning signs. I find that sometimes when I have conversations with someone and I just dive right in and they weren't even ready to have it, it makes for a bad conversation because the other person wasn't ready. They weren't prepared. Now they're on the defense. And I think it's so important to ask that person if now's a good time or if they're ready to have it too. This is something that I've kind of coined over the years as conversational consent, right? Like you want to make sure the other person is in a good headspace and is ready to have that conversation with you. So you both have that intention of even having it in the first place. So that's tip number two. And then tip number three is during the conversation, try your best to not prepare your next thought. Try to just be present and in the moment and truly listen to what the other person is saying. And if you need more time to reflect or think before you respond, you can just say that. I think sometimes it might feel awkward. So people want to just hop right in right away with a rebuttal or another thought or something they've been thinking about. But you can always say like, hey, let me think about that. That's super interesting. Or I think I heard you say X, Y, and Z. Can you share a little bit more about X, Y, and Z? I think it's important to not just respond right away, but be in the moment 
and ask clarifying questions. I think the goal of conversations is to really seek to understand the other person. And I think if we go into that conversation with that intention, we can be so pleasantly surprised that at the end of the day, at the end of that conversation, we just got to learn a little bit more about that other person and their lived experiences that are different from our own. So I would say those are like my my go-to three, um, but always have more in my back pocket if we want to chat more about that at another time. That is some great advice. And I think those are all really important things to keep in mind when we're having conversations. And I really liked the one about making sure that people are ready to talk with you rather than just springing it on someone. I think that's a really great tip. And I'd love to know what's the best advice that you've ever gotten from someone. Do you have any words of wisdom that you try to keep in mind or anything like that? Yes. I mean, I I can only give advice that I've taken myself and I can only speak from my own experiences, but I think some of the best advice I ever received was from my lifelong mentor. His name is Rich Keller. He really helped me understand the concept of personal branding and has really helped me build the conversationalist from the ground up. And he always, always says that Rome was not built in a day. And I think that's something that I tend to forget about. I'm that type, I'm that very type A person that tries to do a million things at once and has all of these ideas and I try to execute all of them at the same time. And I think it's important to realize that, you know, what you're building, whether it's a social media account, a movement, an organization, a project, a fundraiser, anything, it can't all be done in a day and that's okay. And it's important to celebrate the small wins and to realize that, you know, whatever you're building, if you're in it for the right reasons, is a marathon and not a sprint. So I think that's been some of the most valuable advice. Um, and it's still hard to take it sometimes because I always find myself reverting back to those old ways of trying to do a million things. But I think at the end of the day, it's important to recognize that, you know, less is more. And brands can't be everything to everyone. So the more that we can take things one step at a time, one brick at a time, the better we'll be for it. Definitely. And I think that's great advice. I think a lot of people, especially young people, need to remember to slow down and enjoy the ride as well sometimes. So thank you for sharing that, getting that out there. Um, I have kind of a signature question that I like to ask all of my guests, and I'm really excited to get your take on it. Lots of young people, especially college students, want to create change and they want to make a difference in the world. Do you have any advice for these people who may just not really know where to get started? Love that question, Lily. So on brand. Um, I would say if you're someone who's looking to get started, it goes back to the advice I gave about having conversations. It all starts with you. I've done so much work over the past couple of years in the personal branding space about really starting something that connects with who you are. Because at the end of the day, who we are should inform what we do and not the, the other, not the flip of that. You know, I think oftentimes we try to say what we do and not who we are, but the more that we can match who we are at our core to whatever we want to do in the world, the better we'll be for it. So I was super lucky to work with Rich Keller, who I mentioned, and we did a workbook together and I did a lot of self-discovery around who I am as a person and what mark I want to leave on the world. And through those exercises, I was able to realize that who I am 
is a unifier. I hope anyone listening picked that up that the first thing I said when I introduced myself was that I am a unifier. This describes who I am and the value that I bring to the world. And I think the more that we can all realize that we each have something special that we bring to the table, we bring to the spaces we enter and the world that we're trying to create, the better we're able to realize how we can make that impact because no one else can make it like we do. And so for someone who's looking to get started, I would just recommend starting with you, writing down a list of things that you care about, the things that you believe in, the impact you want to leave on the world, the legacy you want to leave one day. And once you can add all of those things up together, hopefully there's a path that opens up for you that you may have never conceived before because it directly connects with you. And I think especially Gen Z, our generation these days, we we want what is most authentic and we want what is real. And I think this goes hand in hand with what we're talking about now. And I think the more that we can uncover who we are and have who we are inform what we do, the more we'll be able to make that impact that we want to create. So that would be my piece of advice for starting that I wish I would have known sooner. I loved talking with Sophie, and I am so excited to see where she takes the conversationalist in the future. I was so excited to find the TC Instagram account because it offers a space for Gen Z on both sides of the political spectrum and of all different backgrounds to connect and have really meaningful conversations about issues that are really important. So I love Sophie's work and I would encourage everyone listening to check out The Conversationalist on social media or visit the website to learn more. The TC community is a space that everyone can benefit from because change comes when you become a better conversationalist. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and you can follow Sophie on Instagram at Sophie Barron to get connected with her. And of course, follow at the conversationalist on Instagram to learn more about her company. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at be the change podcast.org or on Instagram at be the change podcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye guys.